Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. This is a time for mourning to be turned to joy. This is a time for ashes to be turned into beauty. This is a time right now for your emptiness to be filled. So I wonder right now as we raise hands all across this room, don't miss, don't miss this time of refreshing. Don't be so busy. Don't be so preoccupied that you miss what God is trying to do. Listen, what God is trying to do right now, you can't find anywhere else. You won't find it in a bottle. They don't make a pill that can do what God can do. The psychiatrist can't do what God can do right now. A preacher can't even do what God can do right now. The Spirit of God is here right now to refresh. If you need a refreshing, if you just feel weary, if you feel worn out, if you've said the words this week, I feel like I'm finished, I feel like I'm done, I don't feel like I have anything else to give, I want you to know God heard you, and He's here to respond to the cry of your heart. Come on, I hear that right now. I hear the cry of the heart. I hear somebody reaching out to God, and I feel the Holy Ghost sweeping through this building right now. I feel the Spirit of God sweeping through this building right now, and He's refreshing. The Bible says He will make all things new. Come on, there's refreshing. If you feel led, if you feel led right now, I want you to find somebody to pray with. If you feel led to reach out and pray for somebody, there's refreshing. The body of Christ brings renewal. The body of Christ is able to minister to one another. We are many members, but we're one body fitly framed together. Oh God, we need you right now to bring healing. A time of refreshing that comes in the Holy Ghost. Lord, we can't schedule this on our agenda. We can't schedule these times of refreshing through our planning, but God, it's the will of God, it's the purpose of God today that you have destined and ordained this day and this hour to move upon this people. Come on now, let the weak say, I am strong. Now let the poor say, I am rich. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, don't be afraid to let your heart cry out. Don't be afraid, don't worry. Well, I, I, I don't want my neighbor to think bad of me. Don't worry about your neighbor right now. There's a divine appointment that's been scheduled for you in heaven. There's a divine appointment with the creator and the healer that he is destined for this moment. Don't be worried about what if somebody else thinks. You need to make an appointment right now with God.
Come on, speak that miracle right now. Speak that miracle. A miracle can happen because the presence of the Lord is here. I know there's people in this building today, the doctors have told you there's no way, but I serve a God who specializes in things called impossible. when the doctors say no my God can say yes when your past says no the blood of Jesus says yes when your failure says there's no way my God says I am the way you right now today to do what we can do we need you to accomplish what we can accomplish we need you oh God to do the miracle we can do right now to stretch out your hands to this faithful lady woman of God this mother that has prayed for many of you and I want us to pray right now that's it Lord in the name of Jesus God we believe in miracles we know that you are the God of miracles and Lord even as the doctors have made their diagnosis even as the doctors have said they will do what they can do but there's really not much they can do God, we know that 2,000 years ago you, you allowed yourself to be placed upon a tree and nails to be placed in your hands and stripes to be placed upon your back. And you declared that with these stripes we are healed. And so right now, God, we declare healing over this body in the name of Jesus. We speak a word of faith right now. We speak the word of faith and we declare healing to come into this body in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus come on we sang it a minute ago we sang that a miracle can happen but now it's time to declare in faith believing that a miracle can happen by his stripes we are healed by his stripes we are healed hallelujah sister Barry we're praying for you we haven't given up. We're continuing to pray. Amen. How many of you are going to believe with me that Sister Scriber is going to be healed? God is going to heal her. And I want to say again how thankful I am for the godly example that Elder and Sister Scriber are. You want to know how to live for God? I want you to look at that, that elderly couple walking back to their seats right now. That, that's how you live for God. Between the two of them, you might not get a whole paragraph out of them. They don't say a lot, but they sure do say a lot through the way they live, through their faithfulness. And I thank God for Elder and Sister Scriber, and we're going to continue in prayer for them. 
Amen. Sister Joyce, would you come, Sister Joyce? We're going to pray today. Sister Joyce is going to be extending the Living Hope Church. She's going to be moving up to Massachusetts. Is that right? She's going to be moving to Massachusetts, and uh, she is, uh, God has just confirmed some things for her to make that move. She isn't doing it to get away from us because there's no getting away from us. You can run, but you can't hide. But we want today, we're going to send Sister Joyce with the blessing of this church body. Amen. And uh, she has been here about two years, give or take a few months, and uh, got right involved. And just any way that we needed her, she stepped right in and got involved. I know there was a chunk taken out with COVID where she went had gone back home for a little while. But as soon as she got back here, she got right involved again. And just her worship, her smile, and just who she is. I want to say, Sister Joyce, thank you. Thank you for contributing to this body. Thank you for being a contributing member of this church. Amen. As the elders are joining together right now, I'm asking you to stretch your hands out. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, we pray together for Sister Joyce. We thank you, Lord, for the time that we have been able, that we have been privileged to have Sister Joyce as a part of this church family. And God, as she goes forth now into this next season, we send her forward with the blessing of this church body. Lord, I know that your blessings are already in place, but God, we want to testify to the blessing of the Lord by placing the testimony of this church family upon her. And we ask God that you would lead her and that you would guide her. We pray that, Lord, you would give her clarity in every step that she would take. Give her favor, oh God, with God and with man. And we pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. Amen. If you get a chance, if you get a chance, Sister Joyce, will you be here this Wednesday? All right. So if you get a chance today or, or Wednesday to greet Sister Joyce and let her know uh, what a blessing she has been to this church family. Amen. One last thing that we are going to do before we get into the word today. I'm going to ask Brother Roberts to come. Sister Roberts, Valerie, if you all would come. Amen. Brother Roberts uh, is going to talk to you all for just a minute, and I'm going to stand here with him as he talks to you. Praise the Lord, church. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. What a great atmosphere there is in this place. Not sure how uh, to begin. I'm pretty emotional about what I'm going to say here this morning. I guess about a year and a half ago, uh, I started praying. I feel no specific direction, but I felt God was moving a ministry to a different level and I told God I said if you open a door we'll walk through it and I said God we've got a great thing here at Living Hope and I don't want to mess that up and uh, about a month a little over a month ago we got notification of an opportunity and uh, it was put to me in some pretty certain terms that it was an open door and a couple weeks ago we flew out to a little town called Two Rivers Wisconsin interviewed with a church sat down with their board, ministered in their morning and evening service. After about 10 minutes of deliberation, that church board unanimously offered us a position of pastors of that congregation. not a it's not a done deal yet they are their bylaws are the same as ours and on Wednesday night there'll be a ratification vote in that church um, we're anticipating that to go positively the response from the people there has been very very positive and from the folks handling the transition our whole life has been living hope I was 19 years old when I walk through the doors of that little building on Midway Drive. Just turned 19. And uh, we, we, we love this church and every person in here. And I've been hard for me just looking around, seeing all the beautiful faces and places, the memories, so many things that we're invested here. And I don't know what God has in store for us. We're anticipating that it's going to be favorable. And uh, I didn't want to let you wait until 
you found out some other way. I know some of the leadership already know. But we're anticipating that on the first that that will be approved and our house will go on sale on the second. Okay. They already put a sign in the yard. <laughs> kind of got real quick. Um, sorry, I apologize. Really emotional. And uh, But I want you to know we love Living Hope so much. I can't tell you the memories, the life, all of the great things that we have experienced together with God. And uh, we will need this resource. We will need each one of you and your prayers and your support. And uh, I promise you, we are, you will see plenty of us, I hope. It's our plan anyway. But the Lord's will, we're going to go out on Wednesday. We had already had a trip planned to go watch Rachel's girls while they go on vacation. And so after that, if the vote's positive, we're going to drive over to Wisconsin. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, and look for a home begin to follow the will of God for our lives. It's uh, terrifying to us, but it's exciting at the same time. And uh, we just want you to know how much we love each of you and how much you still mean to us in our lives and our ministry. And we're so invested here. And I, I thank God for, thank you, buddy. That's what makes Living Hope special, isn't it? But we're thankful for a man and woman of God who have mentored us and led us the last 15 years plus. We couldn't. I know this church is going to be fine. You've got such great leadership here. We've got such great leadership here. God's going to bless Living Hope in immense ways. I know over the next couple of months as we we're feeling positive about this transition but we'd like to spend a little bit of time if we can with each and every one of you as much as we can and uh, love to share some details and it's just amazing how God has opened several doors you and I won't go into all that detail I know pastor needs to preach but the doors that God has opened just to make this happen to make it real are just amazing and it's a beautiful little place, and we were there and felt the presence of God and felt like it was the will of God, and the people are very welcoming. And it's, it's a good little church, about 120 people, and we think it's an opportunity for God to use us to the furtherance of his kingdom. Amen. We just want you to know. Amen. We want you to know that we love you. And I think my wife's going to be a great first lady. <laughs> tried to think of a good time to fit that into the service, and there really isn't one, but I figure if I'm going to put it on anybody, I put it on myself, so now I get to preach and try to pull a rabbit out of a hat after that, because I know we're all going to miss Brother Roberts and Sister Roberts, the Roberts, and uh, for me, I'm, you know, I was a, uh, nine years old, I guess, when he first came to Living Hope. They lived uh, about two streets up over in uh, Spring Valley and I'd get off school and go up there and Brother Roberts and I'd play one-on-one -on -one basketball for hours I was a smart mouth punk kid back then but I was quick enough I could get away from him because I'm sure there were times he wanted to throttle me but I, I in many ways I wouldn't be the leader I am today without his who he has been to support me and I wouldn't be the man that I am today without his influence in my life and I know many of you have that same testimony and you don't just replace Brother and Sister Roberts, we're, we're going to feel this one. We're going to feel it for a while, and we're going to miss them, but we're going to be praying for them. And I've already committed the church is going to, we're going to financially support them for at least 15 months. 15 months because for 15 years. I, I think they deserve that. And uh, I, I'm hoping that the board will stand behind me in that decision. I know I'm supposed to consult them on those things, but... 
I think I know the board well enough to know they're behind me on that. And I would say in addition to that, if any of you want to sponsor the Roberts, uh, they're, they're, they're taking a pretty tremendous pay cut. Brother Roberts has a great job here. They're going to be able to pay them a little something there, but it's not going to be much. He's not doing this because it's a promotion in many ways. But I believe that Brother Roberts has more than just what he's doing here at Living Hope. There's more in, in the kingdom for him to do. And so when I got the message about this church coming open, part of me said, no, he doesn't need to know about it. You know, this would just be our little secret. And God was kind of poking me saying, no, no, he's not yours, he's mine. And I've got more for him. So I passed it on. I said, well, maybe he'll just let it, you know. I even told him, if you don't want to, no problem. We'll just let it go. Somebody else can get it. But I knew, I knew if he went there, I knew it was a done deal because they were going to find out what we all know, that this is a great couple that love God, that he is a gifted teacher and preacher of the word and a great leader. Uh, I've done a little bit. That's good. I've, I've done a little bit of research on the church, and here's what I've found. I've found it's a great church through peers and others that I've talked to. It's a great church, and what they've told me is if that church had a little bit of organization and structure, that it would grow tremendously. And I thought, well, I think we know that they got the right guy and they got the right first lady. Sister Roberts, that's going to be awesome. When I call you, I'm just going to say, hey, is this first lady? I can't wait to do that. I will miss my annual banana cream pie. We're going to have to figure out a way to make that happen. Amen. One more time, let's give Brother and Sister Roberts a hand clap. Amen. And we love them, and they will continue until their departure to be utilized in ministry here. He'll teach and preach and many other things. But please don't miss the opportunity to greet them and tell them, uh, the impact they've made in your lives, all right? Amen. We know that Two Rivers, Wisconsin is getting a great gift. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17, if you would turn there with me. I want to say thank you to the praise team, musicians. What a tremendous anointing was in this place today. Not just talent and ability, but a tremendous anointing that was here today. The presence of God was is in this place, and that happens, amen, when people get together to begin to magnify the Lord. He shows up. And not when people get together to show off, when they get together to magnify the Lord, he shows up. Amen? Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and Goliath stood and cried to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul, choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then will... We be your servants, but if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall he be your servants and serve us. Show of hands right now. How many of you, this is your first time ever hearing about David and Goliath? All right, I, I thought so. Very familiar passage. Continuing on in verse 10, and the Philistines said, I defy, the, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Goliath said, he publicly announced, I am an opposition to God. And then he said, give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. If you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just a couple more verses in your standing. And if you don't have a Bible or a device, you can look on the screens for you right now. It's provided 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts. Amen. That's how the light gets into the darkness is through us has shined into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And I want to conclude our reading of this text this morning with just the first three words of the eighth verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where Paul wrote, we are troubled. Amen. The Lord bless you. I want to preach for just a little while this morning on that thought, we are troubled. The dictionary defines troubled as the turbulence of our mental calm and contentment. To be troubled, to say that someone or something is troubled, it means that it is in a state of worry or distress. It is 
a state of being agitated. In its biblical usage in the Old Testament, the scribes began to translate the scribes began to translate that Old Testament from Hebrew into English. They found six different Hebrew words and or phrases that would occur over 150 times. And as they began to search for these words and phrases out of Hebrew and into English, they began to try to find what word would accurately describe the condition that they found. The word that they found over 150 times was our English word troubled. This word was used to convey a condition of being terrified or frightened. Ten times in the book of Daniel, the writer speaks of both himself and kings and queens, magistrates, that were troubled by visions and by their thoughts. They were terrified. Anybody have ever had a dream that was terrifying or a vision? God allowed you to see something that was going to come and it was terrifying and overwhelming. That is the word troubled. It conveyed situations and circumstances that were in disarray as in Joshua chapter 6 and 7 when Achan had disobeyed the order that was given and had taken the spoil from Jericho. And in so doing, he brought a curse upon Israel. A time that should have been a time of celebration was instead a time of sorrow because Achan troubled Israel. Amen. In other places, the context that could only be defined by trouble spoke of mental and emotional anxiety that literally drove people out of their minds, troubled. If we then turn to the New Testament, we would once again find nine different Greek words or and or phrases that were used lies in the Greek. And again, as the translators began to try to find what word could adequately describe these emotions and these feelings, the one word that they came up with was the word troubled. Among those New Testament words that we read in our English translation, we find our words like confusion, disorder, being oppressed, afflicted, alarmed, and distressed, among many others. Here's what I know about being troubled. To be troubled is to be in a state that is undesired. To be troubled is to experience what would you would rather avoid. To be troubled is to be pressed upon by forces and outside circumstances in such a way that peace is fleeting and hope is failing. Amen. Troubled is the antonym of calm and the opposite of being at rest and at peace. Here are a few things that I know in my life about trouble. Number one, I know that trouble is unavoidable. Job chapter 14 verse 1, the writer said, Man that is born of a woman is few days and full of trouble. Amen. Tell your neighbor trouble is going to find you. The next thing that I know about trouble is that trouble is unexpected. If we knew that trouble was coming, it wouldn't be trouble because we would avoid it. Trouble comes unexpected and it comes unannounced. It is undesirable. Trouble is also inevitable. It is impartial. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. Trouble doesn't care who you are. And trouble is impolite. It doesn't ask your permission. Unless you're unlike me, trouble doesn't knock on the door and say, hey, are you okay with a bad day today? It doesn't ask my permission. Amen, it doesn't, the, the, the water heater breaking down didn't ask me if it could do it. Amen, the, the vehicle breaking down on the side of the road didn't ask for my permission. Amen, it's inevitable, it's impartial, and it is impolite. Amen, and I know that this morning I've started this sermon with somewhat of a dark cloud, uh, but let me also bring to you a silver lining this morning, uh, because Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 tells me that the Lord is good and he is a stronghold in the day of trouble. And the psalmist declared in the 46th chapter, in the first verse, he said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. You may be dismayed by your trouble, but your God was made for trouble. You might be brought down by trouble, but God is lifted up in times of trouble. 
You may go through it, but my, my message to you today is that you don't have to go through it alone. I wonder, is anybody in this building today going through any trouble? Are you troubled by what's going on in our world? Are you troubled by what's going on in society today? I want to let you know he's a present help in the time of trouble. Second Corinthians 4, verse 17, the New Living Translation says it this way, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. I heard somebody say at one time this way, troubles don't last always. Amen. The writer goes on in that verse and he says that troubles that won't last, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Three things I know that will give you a silver lining in the dark cloud of trouble is number one, you've got help in your time of trouble. Number two, know this, troubles won't last always. If the enemy can get you to die in your trouble, you'll miss the sunrise that's coming in the morning. If the enemy can get you to give up in the middle of your trouble, you're going to miss the miracle that's waiting on the other side. Somebody ought to give God praise right now because it's not going to last always. Somebody ought to thank him right now because even if you're in the middle of it, it's not going to last always. Paul continued there and said, and this trouble that won't last, it's producing something in you. It's going to produce something in you that's going to far outweigh the trial that what you, of what you went through. In fact, what it's going to produce in you is going to be eternal. And the third thing that I know about trouble is that trouble serves a purpose. Tell somebody next to you, your trouble serves a purpose. Tell somebody down the aisle from you, your trouble is producing your purpose. Yell to somebody in the row in front of you, whatever you're going through right now, there's purpose being produced by what you're going through. I know we can sit around wringing our hands and worried about everything going on in our world, but I'm going to tell you God brought it for a reason. It's producing something. And we are troubled and Paul writes to the church at Corinth words that some 2,000 years later still ring true to the church in 2021. We are troubled. I don't know about you, but I don't know that I've ever been more troubled than I am right now. I don't mean specifically of this moment. I'm talking about this season that I'm in in my life. I don't know that I've ever been more troubled. I look around me, and everywhere I look, I see trouble. I, 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 it seems almost impossible to find a place of peace. And even if you find it, there's somebody going to walk along and bring you some kind of news that's going to shatter your peace because we're living in a time of trouble. And here in his second letter to the church at Corinth, Paul addresses the reality of their situation. This church that is positioned in the city of Corinth is a church that is surrounded by the most vile and wicked acts and practices of debauchery. I know we look around us today and we think it's bad and in, in many ways it is, but we really don't have anything on Corinth. And I'm not saying in a good way. Corinth was, we don't want to have anything on Corinth. The prevailing worship, the biggest church in Corinth was a Religion that was dedicated to the worship of the goddess Aphrodite. And their, their church, they didn't get together on Sunday mornings and a preacher or a priest get up with a nice robe or a three-piece suit. The, the ministers that propagated the gospel of Aphrodite were prostitutes. It was the largest church in the city, as you might imagine. There might be some followers of that sort of religion. You could laugh a little bit. Everybody's nervous. Do we laugh? You can laugh. It's okay. In that day, to call a young lady a Corinthian maiden. If you were to call a lady a Corinthian maiden, it would be the most degrading accusation impugning her morals that you could possibly make. There are terms that we use today that I'm obviously not going to say from the pulpit that might be comparable, but none of them would really be. If you said to that woman, you are a Corinthian maiden, you would probably get slapped because it was degrading her morals. The phrase to live like a Corinthian 
had become part of the Greek language. That phrase, to live like a Corinthian, was a known uh, phrase that was utilized, and it meant to live with drunken, immoral debauchery. One of the Greek writers wrote and tells us that if a Corinthian was ever used in a play, if there was ever a, a, a Corinthian that was going to be depicted in a stage act or a skit, that that, that, that that person was always drunk and out of their mind, living without any kind of boundaries. And so the very name Corinth was synonymous with debauchery. It was a city that had no boundaries, morals that were non-existent. It was a city that were given, was given to the pleasures of this world in excess without any form of limitation. Corinth was the epitome of perversion. It was the epicenter of worldly pleasure at the most extreme of their extent. And it is evident from Paul's writings in the first and second letters to Corinth that this wickedness had pressed upon the church, that the evil that was in the city surrounding had made its way into the church. And even in one point, Paul has to address that somebody is having a, a sexual relationship with his, fa with his father's wife. That that's the perversion had made its way in. I'm just, I know it's Sunday morning, you don't really want to talk about that. But, but the point is that there's trouble has made its way into the church. That what's going on in society surrounding has made its way into the church. And Paul is writing to a church that's dealing with the pressure of a perverted world around him. And he says, we are troubled. You see, the church is not exempt from the troubles of this world. The righteous are not sequestered from the trials of the unrighteous. Amen. Certainly there are some things that by being in the church, there are some storms we don't have to sail through because we aren't making dumb choices sometimes. Amen. We miss out on some of them. But it doesn't mean that trouble isn't ever going to come across the bow of our boat. As Paul declared to the church, we are troubled. And I know that we don't like to think about trouble as being an event or an entity that God would allow to engage or even invade our lives. But I believe the scripture supports the point that I would make today that trouble is very much a tool in the hand of God that he uses to shape our lives. I would take you to the Gospels, the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John where it is recorded that masses of the blind, the halt, the lame, the withered had gathered on the porches surrounding the pool of Bethesda. And the Bible tells us they were waiting for one thing. They were waiting for the waters to begin to move. That's exactly how the Bible says it in John 5. They waited for the moving of the waters. The term that, that are used in that passage lets us know that Brother Benthal, the reason they were there waiting for the moving of the waters is because they'd seen the waters move before and they found that when the waters were moved that a miracle was able to be possessed if they would get in the water after the waters were moved. Moved. And so they came looking. They were looking for a ripple in the water. They were looking for a wave to begin to, to spring forth in that pool there in Bethesda. They were looking. They came looking for a movement. They came looking for a movement because they knew the movement produced a miracle. But what they didn't see and they didn't know was that the movement came because something unseen troubled the water. Listen, there are many people today that you want the movement and you want the miracle. But what you don't know is that the movement is always produced by trouble. Trouble is going to bring movement into your life. And it is trouble that brings a miracle. You may not like it today, but there are some people that don't come to church until the angel dips his foot in the water. And they're good. They, they got it good as long as the bills are paid, as long as Uncle Sam's sending some stimmy checks. And yeah, everything's good. Everybody's looking around like they don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I got groceries, everything's good. I live in a great nation, everything's good. And, and, and I don't really need God. But you let that angel dip his toe in the water. You let a little trouble come down. All of a sudden you begin looking for a movement. I need a move of God in my life. I need a miracle. Listen, the only way you get a miracle, God's got to put some trouble in your life. Some of you are here this morning because you got trouble in your world. Trouble is how you get your miracle. Trouble is how you get a move of God. 
Sister Scriber, this don't apply to you because I know you'd be here today whether the doctor said everything is good or not. But some of you, the only time you come to church is when the doctor says there's a problem in your world. Hey, you know what that's doing? That's getting you to look for a move of God. And when you start looking for a move of God, that's when you find a miracle. God will use trouble. I didn't figure I'd get a whole lot of hand claps. Brother James ain't here today, so ain't nobody going to run the aisles on that one. Last year when COVID hit and we were locked down and you couldn't go anywhere, some of us for the first time got our priorities right. Can't wait to get back to church, Pastor. I'll be there. I'll be there. But when the trouble passed, we flipped our priorities right back over. Well, if there's no Little League, if there's no basketball game, if there's no softball tournament, if, there's no, if it's not too hot, if it's not too cold, if, it's not, if I'm not too tired, if I'm not too hungry, then I'll be in trouble. And that's why God knows you need some trouble in your life every once in a while. Because when you get trouble in your life, you start looking for a move of God. And when you start looking for a move of God, you come to the place where God moves. And when you come to the place where God moves, there's a miracle in the house. Somebody ought to thank him right now. Thank you, God. Thank you that you allow some trouble to come into my life because it's producing something eternal. And most of the time we're praying for God to take away the very thing that's going to get us to heaven. We want God to take away the trouble and God says, no, if I take it away, I'll never see you again. That's pastor preaching stuff. We are trouble. Anybody here today? I just I don't sleep good at night anymore. I don't. I wake up three, four times a night. I don't sleep good. I'm getting a little irritated about it. I want to sleep through the night. I love my sleep. There's a few things I love. I love food. I love my wife, and I love a good night's sleep. I love my daughters too. They're all looking around like what? Play chop liver. And I love this church. All right, now you got to name everything. But I, I'm just being honest, I don't sleep good anymore. I, I see things happening, and Brother Roberts, you said it earlier, I know what, because I read the scripture, I know it's not getting any better, it's only going to get worse, it's going to get worse before it gets better, and so I'm troubled in my spirit, but I know this, I know that I'm not alone in my trouble, eh? amen, and I know that there's a purpose in my trouble, amen. I'm not going to preach a whole lot longer today, but I look at the life of David. And I look at David. David very easily could have been simply known to us as a psalmist. Very easily could have just been a psalmist. A, a, a man that we read about in the scripture that sat on the hills of, 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 of Bethlehem, tending to his father's sheep and writing all these beautiful songs. I, I believe, Brother Benthal, if David hadn't done anything else, I believe that there would be at least one book of the Bible dedicated to David, the book of Psalms. That's all that he would have ever done is sat on the hillside strumming the harp. Strumming the harp, I don't know how they do it. And writing beautiful songs of, about his Jehovah. That's all that he would have ever done was composed songs and written beautiful music. If he would have done nothing more than sit on the hillside of Bethlehem and take care of his father's sheep, he probably would have lived a very fulfilled life. But God had a greater purpose and a greater destiny for David's life than just crafting soothing melodies and tending to sheep. And so God allowed trouble to come into David's world. David, there, there's more within you than songwriting abilities and harp playing skills. David, I know that you would be comfortable just sitting on this Bethlehem hillside and taking care of sheep and occasionally chasing off a lion or a bear. But David, I made you with more purpose than that. And if I don't bring trouble into your world the rest of your life, you'll just be a songwriter. But I've got a giant waiting for you. Some of you need God to bring some trouble in your world because you've gotten comfortable, you've gotten complacent, and there's more in you. David, if I don't give you some trouble, all you'll ever be is a songwriter, but I've got to give you some trouble because there's more to you. 
without trouble, this is where you will remain. Some of you sit on church pews and you've got higher callings. Come to church Sunday after Sunday and you put your offering in the plate. That's awesome. That's great. Don't stop. Put more in. God bless you. But I know and you know there's more. There's a greater destiny. There's a greater purpose. There's a greater calling. But as long as there's no trouble, as long as the waters are smooth, as long as there's no problems in your world, you'll just keep coming Sunday after Sunday, finding your way to your favorite seat, putting your money in the plate. And all the while, there's a giant on a hillside taunting the people of God. Without trouble, you will be content to take care of sheep and write songs. Without trouble, your entire life would be lived on the hills of Bethlehem. So God said, David, I'm going to bring some trouble into your life. The trouble came in the form of a giant named Goliath, who for 40 days, the Bible says, troubled the armies of Israel. For 40 days, he stood on the battlefield and shouted, his threatenings and dared Israel to send a man to come up and fight against him. Uh, For 40 days he mocked and cursed the God of Israel. For 40 days the shouts of Goliath pierced through the sky. Uh, The sound of his spear reverberated through the valley as he slammed that that staff against the stony ground. Uh, The Bible says that the words that he spoke caused Saul and all of Israel to be dismayed and greatly afraid. He troubled Israel. And without this trouble, David would be nothing more to us today than a writer of beautiful songs, the composer of wonderful lyrics, a man, the the player of a melodious harp, a keeper of his father's sheep. But it was trouble that caused David to lay down the shepherd's staff and gather five smooth stones from the brook. It was trouble that led David to run onto the battlefield while whirling that sling over his head. It was trouble that led David to pick up the sword of Goliath and for one once and for all eternity to silence the voice of this one who cursed his God. It was trouble. It was trouble that brought David out of the shadows of Bethlehem and thrust him into the spotlight of Israel. It was his response to trouble that would catapult him from being a keeper of sheep to a slayer of giants. And some of you right now, you wonder why you're going through the trouble. It's because God knows you're more than a songwriter. You're an intercessor. You're more than a songwriter. You're a soul winner. You're asking God to take the trouble away. And he's saying, no, there's more to you. Come on, it's time for you to recognize you're more than a harp strummer. I'm a worshiper. I'm a praiser. God called me to do more than show up on Sunday and put my offering in the plate. I was meant to be a terror to hell. I was meant to kill giants. I wonder if anybody in the building is troubled today. I wonder, are you troubled in your spirit? I wonder, are you troubled in your heart? Maybe it's God trying to call you off of the hillside. There's a giant waiting for you. Uh, I want to pause and say that our world is in a deficit of courage. David hears that giant. Everybody else is hiding. David says, what are y'all hiding for? David gets five stones and a slingshot and runs toward trouble. We live in a world today where there's a deficit of those willing to run to trouble. Oh, you mean if I say truth, you're going to cancel me? Then I'll shut up. I am, Brother Henry. I'm putting it right out there. Oh, you, you mean you're going to make me go viral if I talk about what the Bible says about sexuality? You're going to make it go viral? And you're going to destroy me? And so we silence our pulpit because we don't have courage to go after Goliath. We don't have courage to go after what the enemy... I want to let the devil know right now, you're going to find courage in this pulpit. We're not going to run from the enemy. We're not going to run from the adversary.
I know the cancel culture has raised up its head, but you, the, the, the world didn't start me and the world can't end me. God gave me my start, and the only thing that's going to end me is God. When God's done with me, I'm over. But until then... This is still a nation that was founded upon the beliefs of justice and liberty for all. A belief that was defended by the blood of patriots. And even this week, 14 United States soldiers paid the ultimate price as they ran toward trouble. I look at the image of 9-11 when thousands of terrified cities were running from the towers but those first responders were not running from it. They were running toward it. And if we aren't careful in today's society, we become freedom freeloaders. What is that? Well, I love freedom as long as somebody else is willing to pay the price for it. I love liberty as long as somebody else is the one being asked to lay down their life for it. I came today, and I don't believe Lee Greenwood is apostolic, but I came to say, Brother Lee, I stand with you. I stand with you, Chris Torres. I stand with you, Brother Harrison. I stand with you, Justin Williams. I stand with you, military men and women. I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Church, we can't run from the battle. We've got to run toward trouble. God used trouble to move David toward his destiny. Had it not been for trouble, David would have lived his days as an obscure shepherd writing songs and playing his harp. Just one more instance, I look a little bit later in the story of David, he's no longer the keeper of sheep. That's not his claim to fame. Now he's known as the giant slayer. He's the most famous warrior in all of Israel. His valiant victory has brought promotion. He is now, the Bible says, the commander of all of Saul's army. He's no longer the songwriter on quiet hills of Bethlehem. No, now the women of Israel sing songs about him throughout the busy streets of Israel. Now David has power. Now he has position. Now he has fame and notoriety. Now he has favor with the king. His best friend, as a matter of fact, is the king's son. David has it made. David is comfortable. How many of you like comfortable? How many of you walked in here today and it was a little chilly? All right, that, that's how we get you into stammering lips. All right. Doesn't take much Holy Ghost from there and you're speaking in tongues. But we don't like it, right? We're looking around. Somebody needs to do something because I'm not comfortable. And so we have a problem. I don't care about the rest of you. I care about one person today. That's me. And I'm not comfortable. So whatever you need to do, Pastor, I put my offering in the plate. You saw that, right? Then fix it. Nobody does that. I'm just saying. We like comfort. David was comfortable. Right? And everybody knows he's famous. He's popular. He's got power. He's got authority. But God had more for David. God wasn't finished with David. David was never meant to be just a psalmist on the hills of Bethlehem. He was meant to be more than just a keeper of sheep. And he was destined to be more than the captain of Saul's armies. He was created to be more than just the husband of Saul's daughter. And so once again, God sent trouble. Because for many of us, our goal is to just reach that place of comfort. If I could just get a title, a position, some money, maybe even marry the king's daughter. Uh, if you're married already, that should not be on your prayer list. If it is, don't let your wife find it because you have a whole different set of problems. <clears throat> and God says, Steve Silvati, there's more for you. I, I've got more for you. But I recognize it, as long as the, the water is steady and calm and there's no ripples in the water, you're going to stay right where you're at. So I'm going to have to put some trouble in your world because if you stay where you're at right now, you'll never be everything I intended to you to be. And the Bible says that evil spirits began to trouble Saul. And Saul would call for David and David would begin to play the harp and evil spirits would be driven from Saul and 
as David played the harp, the Bible says that at least on two occasions, Saul picked up the spear and threw it at David. And the Bible says his intent was to run David through to the wall. And he wasn't playing games. This wasn't Nerf you know, war like we had at the youth thing the other day. This was real. And once again, trouble comes into David's world. And as Saul's hatred progressed and his desire to kill David increases, David is forced to flee from the comfort of the palace, to abandon his position as the commander of Saul's army, to relinquish his fame as a giant killer, and to separate himself from his best friend, the king's son. Because God knew without trouble, you will never look for the moving of waters, and you will never see a miracle. Without trouble, you will be content with existing as a shepherd when I have destined you to live as a king. I'm telling you, there's people in this room today that you are existing as a shepherd when God has placed an anointing upon you to live as a king. Amen. You're living so far beneath what God has purposed for you to be. But without trouble in your life, you will never be what God has called you to be. Without trouble. You will be satisfied with leading Saul's army. When God said, David, I destined you. I've got an army of mighty men. I've got a host. I've got an army that you're going to raise up that's going to be so much greater than Saul's army. But as long as you're leading Saul's army, you'll never raise up your own army. So I've got to put trouble in your world. Without trouble, you'll be fulfilled with the fame of being a giant killer. When David, I have purpose for you to lead an army of giant killers. If you look at David's ministry, he killed one giant, but the men that served under him in the army that he raised up killed multiple giants. Listen, as long as we stay in a place of comfort, as long as our walk with God is nothing more than showing up to church Sunday morning, and if we have Sunday night, maybe I'll be there. And Wednesday night, if my schedule fits it in, I'll come. And once in a blue moon, I'll come to prayer. Listen, as long as that is the totality of your walk with God, you will never fulfill your purpose. I got to be honest right now, I've got white knuckles. I feel in my life like, if they say, well, you knew that, Pastor, you're a white guy. I'm talking like extra white, extra white knuckles. You know, when you grip things. Anyway, I don't know. I feel like I'm going too far into explaining now. I'm holding on. I'm holding on because, Brother Roberts, I'm troubled. I try to sleep at night and I can't sleep because something just doesn't feel right. Something's off. I don't know what it is, but I'm troubled, Sister Angelita. I don't, I don't know if you all feel what I feel, but I know it. I'm going to say like Paul said, we are troubled. But I'm going to tell you God is using trouble to position his church in this end time hour. God is using trouble to get prayers. God is using trouble to get us to pray like we've never prayed before. Stand with me all across this building. I want to know in this building, am I the only one? Are you troubled in your spirit? Do you, do you feel the trouble? I'm not trying to be a naysayer. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you rather. Some of you, God has let trouble come into your world because if he didn't, all you'll ever be, Angelita, is a shepherd on a hillside. When I know, I know, I, I know things about good things. Don't worry, good things. Angelita, I know God has a great high calling on your life. But without trouble, our tendency is we go to find that place of least resistance. I want the path where it's easy. Pastor, I just want to sit in that, I want to sit in that, that, that comfortable chair. I want to find that place where I'm comfortable. And God is saying to this church right now, I'm, I'm troubling. I'm letting troubling things come into this world because I'm trying to reposition you. I'm letting troubling. You feel like there's a giant standing on the hillside. It's there for a reason because I'm trying to get you into your calling. I'm trying to move you into your destiny. I'm trying to move you into your purpose. Brother Roberts, I didn't craft this sermon for you. I didn't know you were going to announce today what you did, but I, I believe, Brother Roberts, some of this. God has more for you than just, and, and you're a great second man. You've been so loyal to me, so faithful. I go out of town to preach. I don't have to worry about one thing about Brother Roberts trying to overthrow. Not, not a thing. In fact, I know if you started talking bad about me to Brother Roberts, he'd tell you, he'd bring you, he'd come and see me with you and say, tell him what you said. He would. It's happened before. That's awkward, right? 
news about that gets out and it doesn't happen anymore. People are like, hey, we'll tell other people. But Brother Roberts, I know, Sister Roberts, God has more for you all. And so I know in the last year, God, how many times have you said, worst year of your life? Right? What was that? God saying, come on, I, I, I thank you for being a faithful shepherd. Thank you for being a faithful shepherd, but there's more. And guess what? Guess what that means? Now that Brother Roberts and Sister Roberts are going to be stepping up, there's, there's going to be some vacancies that are going to be there, not just positional vacancies. There's some spiritual authority Brother Roberts has established that there's going to be a vacancy now. Guess what that means? Somebody else is going to have to step up. So I'm asking you, if there's been trouble in your world, if you feel trouble, we are troubled. I say like Paul, we are troubled. We live in a troubling time, but I'm telling you, it's not to destroy you. That scripture goes on and says we are troubled, but not in distress. Amen. Amen. That, that, that word, we are being distressed, but we're not distressed. It's not having the impact on us that the enemy thought it was going to have. Rather, it's repositioning us. It's elevating us. So I need somebody right now that will run to this altar and say, God, I feel the, I hear Goliath. I hear the taunting of Goliath. And Lord, I know you are repositioning me. You can either let your trouble destroy you or you can let God use that trouble to reposition you. Listen, the, the last day church is not going to be a weak, pathetic church. It's going to be a powerful church. It's going to be a church that does great exploits. But that can only happen when you allow God to push you out of your comfort zone and say, Lord, all this trouble that I'm feeling, I know it's there for a purpose. I'm not alone. Come on, David cried unto the Lord in his trouble. I'm asking you right now, let that trouble that you're feeling, let that pressure that you're feeling, let it produce within you a cry. Let it produce within you a desire. Come on, everybody else, you may hide behind these caves. You may hide behind boulders. But I'm going to take out Goliath. I'm going to let it reveal that I'm more than just a shepherd. Come on, somebody, I'm more than just a shepherd. I know you don't even know you've got it in you, but I know you do. You've got more in you than what you think you do. Come on, it's time to be courageous. It's time to be bold. It's time to stand up and declare the word of the Lord. troubled I have been so I'm not mocking you for that I wonder how many of you are here today and you would say pastor you I truly I'm so troubled I don't know what to do there's so much uncertainty my job our nation my family 
everywhere. We're troubled on every side. Listen, he's our help in the time of trouble. The first thing that I want us to do right now is I want us to call on the name of the Lord. He is our help in the time of trouble. He is that strong tower that you can run into. Listen, your trouble is not just something. I'm not, I'm not even suggesting that you just kind of toughen up and act like nothing's wrong. I'm telling you right now, your trouble is real. But your God is greater than your trouble. you got to open your mouth and call upon the Lord. you got to open your mouth right now and say, Lord, I'm overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher. Come on, there's some help in this room today. I'm preaching to people right now that anxiety is wearing you out. You don't remember the last time you slept through the whole night. You wake up, your dreams are troubled. Your visions are troubled. Your thoughts are troubled. Listen, there's a God that wants to be with you in the middle of your trouble. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.